It is so good to have all of you here, um, and this is, um, we are a family that has come to worship, and uh, so glad that all of you are here, and may our day be blessed. Uh, would you pray with me, please? Father, we are so thankful that our life and our community of faith and that our purpose in this world is not random, but It is your world, and you rule over us, not only as a kind father, but as a good king. And we thank you for that rule, that grace. And so, Father, we praise you and we ask that you would be with us as we strive to live a life worthy of our calling. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Our text this morning is Isaiah, so please give your attention to the word of the Lord from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord, of Yahweh Almighty, will accomplish this. This text has been welded to the story of the birth of Christ. It was a prophecy that even in the early church community, they connected with Jesus Christ. It's the idea that a child is born and that child will rule and it ushers in a new age. A reign. And a reign is not just the time in office for a particular king, but it's also that king's rule. We use the same kind of thought with the idea of an administration when we're talking about the presidency. We don't just mean the four or eight years or however it may be that someone served as president, but everything that happened and everything that they did. So it is with rain, and maybe even more so. Because of of this idea that there is an everlasting rule, we end up talking about, well, not so much anymore, but I'm going to make the argument that we should come back to the idea of A.D. A.D in our dating system. This is A.D. 2016. I always thought that since B.C. meant before Christ, then A.D. meant after death. There's just one hang-up about that. Jesus Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. It means it's from a Latin phrase, Anno Domini, which means in the year of the Lord. 
And, and really, it's the same sort of thing you see throughout history in places where people have kings. And in fact, in the text in Luke 2 that Dave read, the time is given by who is governor where. You remember it by the year that so-and-so was the king. So what we're saying is we live in the 2016th year of the reign of our Lord Christ Jesus. This is what we're saying with A.D. Did you know there was so much packed into those two little letters? Did you know that they meant that much? Anno Domini means that every year then is a year of the rule of our Lord. By the way, the A.D. system starts with the birth of Christ. Now, ignore the discrepancies, because you're going to go home, you're going to look it up on Wikipedia, maybe right here, and it's going to say, Christ was born in 6 B.C. How does that happen, you know? I mean, that's really, you know, missing the mark. Jesus, you're a little early, you know, you've got to wait. Well, it's because we're trying to get the date more correct, and rather than change everybody, you know, and tell everybody. I mean, it's bad enough that we've got to change for daylight savings time. Can you imagine what it'd be like if we had to set everything back four years? Oh, the internet would explode, you know, and say, sorry, everyone, we got to go back to uh, 2012. Oh, I hated 2012. I don't want to do that. Then we'll have to live all this over again. The, um, the AD system is an attempt, and it wasn't started until like, oh, the the 500s, the 6th century. And a monk said, what if we count every year as the year of our Lord Jesus ruling and do that for the whole world? They had a vision of what it meant for Jesus to rule. Now, of course, that comes centuries after the Bible, but you find the idea in Scripture in Revelation eleven fifteen: The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And that means that the reign of Christ is now and not just in the future. I, we believe that when Christ comes again, that reign will be, will be fully realized in ways that we can just hope for and imagine. But even now, Based on what Revelation says, that rule exists. I think it's important to get back to A.D. Because there is another system called C.E. That's a recent one. Uh, That one's been developed to show respect to other cultures, other religions. It's It's a neutral, it's a secular counting. That's fine, I get that. It really doesn't change much. Uh, there's no conversion process, uh, you know, uh, A.D. means C.E., 2016 A.D. is 2016 C.E. Some other calendars, like if you look at some of the calendars in other places, they're, they're off by certain years because they start their numbering system, or they're different than us because they start their numbering system differently. But on another level, I find C.E. just a little boring for us, the people of God. It's common. CE means common era. Who wants, to, who wants to be common? Who wants to live in a common era? 
It's 2016. 2016 what? Just 2016 regular old time. Okay. Instead, to say that it's Anno Domini, to say it's the year of our Lord, reminds us that we live in a kingdom. Your whole life you've been living in a kingdom. Whether you've been a follower of the king that whole time or not, you have been living in a kingdom. The kingdom of earth has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, says Revelation. And when we keep that in mind, then we realize that we live in a time that is ordered by God, in a place that is ordered by God. We're not just on a randomly spinning mud ball that's going to collapse into that plasma globe we call the sun one day. It means that we are living in our Father's world. We are living in the kingdom. I think that's really important because I've noticed a trend that at this time of year, there's always a a lot of media, and it shows up on social media, and then it shows up in... uh, in, uh, on, on television and other things. And then I hear people talking about it, and it's the idea that this is the worst year ever. You know, it's proven that human beings remember bad things more than we remember good things. Bad things just mark our memory more so than good things. And some of you may actually be very skilled at remembering the bad things over the good things, okay? Uh, I, I've got some of that skill too. But maybe that's why I noticed this problem. The worst year ever. It's always the worst year ever. Something bad happens. It's the worst year ever. For at least the last four years, this has been happening. Now, I went back and I searched on Twitter and and looked to see what people were posting along about this time. And every time, from 2012 on up, every time... Oh, this year beat us up. This was the worst year ever. These celebrities died. These bad things happened. I hate this year. This year hates us. Let get, let's get past it and let's start the new year. I got a pretty good guess what we'll be doing this time in 2017. This was the worst year ever. And on and on it goes. But, but I wonder if we could break the trend Because I'm thinking that if this happens every year, then either we've got really bad memories or it's a stale joke, it's a meme, or we're buying into this idea that things happen because of fate, that it's random, that it's because of the numbers. And folks, that's not the way the children of the king need to see the world he has given us. We can look at things much different than that. And I'm going to call us to overcome the ways and the patterns of our culture and be the king's children. Be the kingdom. This worst year ever meme, I think most of you know what a meme is by now. It's not just pictures of gorillas and kids saying yes. But a meme even goes back before the internet. and It's the idea of, it's, it's like a mental gene. It passes on It's thought. And so what you have is you have this accumulation of an idea that now because of our connectivity, it gets out there and it gets out there quick. Remember that game we used to play as kids called the telephone game where you have everybody sitting in a ring and then you pass something on, then you pass something on, and then they pass something on. And by the time it gets around, the message has been so distorted that it doesn't look like the original message. This is what we used to do to teach young people about gossip and how it was wrong. 
Well, I think what we need to do now is, is update that game and have one person stand in front of the room and shout whatever the message is, and then everybody else runs out into the streets shouting it. That's sort of how we transmit information today. A writer on the internet had this interesting observation. She wrote, The awful folkways of social media which encourage us to call out bad things in dramatic fashion and then pretend that we've been helpful have led to something of an annual conclusion. Google searches for worst year ever spike each December. Every year is the worst year ever, we've started to say. So, you know, if you thought I was just up here blowing smoke, well, you know, guess what? Somebody on the internet wrote it, and if it's on the internet, it's true. But people are starting to notice this, this meme. But what I love about this writer is that, that, that phrase she came up with, the awful folkways. We've had folkways for centuries. But now online, we've developed some new folkways. And don't think we're immune from it, folks. We're participants in it. We just buy into it. We accept it. I mean, when's the last time you got all upset because of an Internet troll? And then somebody has to tell you, well, that's a troll. And you're like, well, then why do people say things they don't mean? This is the Internet. The awful folkways, though, that are a little more benign, but I think just as troubling for us, the people of God in this world, is that I love that those awful folkways that cause us to react in dramatic fashion, there's often a fascination with tragedy. You see that show up in our news as well. What's going to lead the news? The tragedy. There's the idea also of celebrity and media being more important than relationships. You know, some of the, this year and years previous to this, have been very difficult, painful years for some of our family members because we've lost loved ones. But, yeah, that can't be compared to the loss of a celebrity. It's tragic that those people die, and I feel for their family members, but we don't know those celebrities. If you do, you're the exception, okay? But most of us, we don't know. But when we all collectively came together and we say, this is a bad year because certain, certain celebrities died and we don't really know them. In a way, we're making light of the fact that people we know right here have lost loved ones they've known their whole lives. You can't compare the two. The awful folkways include the tendency to be outraged. We're all going to get together. Why? Because we're outraged. We're outraged about this outcome. We're outraged about this development. We're outraged about what this person said or that person said. Are we really unified? No, but we sure are outraged. And what are we going to do? Well, let's go on the media channels and let's argue about it. And then we'll all get unified. You know, I'm waiting for that day when you see the talking heads, whether it's Fox or MSNBC or CNN, I'm an I'm, I'm a, I'm a equal opportunity critic with them. Okay, so anyway, but whatever, whichever one that it is, I'm waiting for this day that you get two of those people on the different side of things and they start, they start arguing, you know, well, yeah, but wouldn't you agree with this? Yeah, but wouldn't you agree with this? And finally one of them says, hey, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm going to come over to your position completely. What would they do? They'd probably pull the plug and switch to commercial. We don't have an argument anymore. That would be unity. Even if they disagreed, they could still have unity. But it's 
Be, be watchful, good flock. Be watchful, brothers and sisters, because there's a tendency in these awful folk ways to replace outrage with real work, with real effort, and real unity. Everything seems to be personal. I mean, that's even taken to an extreme so that in all of this worst year ever stuff, everything is personal. Everything that was ever done in the year was done to make you sad. Everything that was ever done this year was done because this year hates you. It hates us. It doesn't like us. It's personal. Where did we get the idea that everything centers around us? That we are the center of the universe. One of the things that Christ frees us from is that we do not have to be the king of our own universe. Because we're not made for that. We can't do it. We're much better off if we have a good king, a creator king, the king that created us. Finally, you get a lot of this marching together, but it's always marching under the wrong banner. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about the banner of cynicism or the banner of negativity, the banner of misery, the banner of political preference. I think the way that you do those banners now is it's a hashtag. Someone asked me the other day, someone, you know, didn't grow up with the internet generation. Hey, I didn't even know what a hashtag was until a few years ago, and I still don't understand how you really use them. I mean, I can make up my own hashtag, but if nobody else uses it, then what's the point? I don't, I don't know. But they said, why is that number sign out there like that? <laughs> and it reminded me of the old phones. Remember they had an asterisk and a number sign on them? I remember when they put those in, and I'm like, who has those in their phone numbers? I asked the phone man that was installing our phone back in the 1970s. I said, what are these for? He said, we don't know yet, but we're putting them on there. Wow. See, they've been waiting for this day, folks. It's a conspiracy. Hashtag, hashtag. Anyway. The false unity of everybody getting together around some meme or internet idea, whatever it is, from whatever political angle it comes from, from whatever non-political angle it comes from, but the idea that that's unity question it because sometimes it might just be herd mentality see i want to go back to this text and let that inform us rather than whatever kind of collected wisdom comes out of the crowd at the end of the year i want to go back to isaiah 9 and i want you to take a look it says three things number one the government is on christ's shoulders one of the reasons that this year is being labeled as such a, such a horrible year is because of, oh, the terrible political year we've had. And yes, I'm glad it's over. And, and, and it's going to continue, and it's going to continue to drive you know, worry and fear. But church, before the election, there were people saying, no matter who's elected to what offices, Christ is still king. Well, don't forget that now after it's all done. Isaiah 9 says the government is on his shoulders. And by the way, that statement in Isaiah comes as a bold statement countering the idea that anyone else should be king. So that when anyone gets proud and says, you know, well, 
we've got this government, and this government's going to be better than that government. Whoa, whoa. The government is on the shoulders of the Messiah, right where it ought to be. The rule, the lead. I've, all, I've told you earlier this year, and it's still the case, you need to be very careful when you hear people claiming that God's endorsing candidates. I haven't seen God do that yet. Instead, what I see is I see him saying that the government, the true government, the true rule is on Christ's shoulders. Other than that, as citizens of the kingdom, the governments of this earth have nothing to fear from us if they honor God, but we will follow Christ. Second thing that Isaiah 9 says is that in this government that rests on his shoulders, there is peace, there is justice, there is righteousness. When? Forever. This is a final rule. This is, an, this is the, the perfection of rule. And we're not quite there yet. But we're getting there. I mean, if you stop and think about it, and we've talked about this in the, over the last year, We've talked about ways that Christianity has changed the world. In the presentations that we've had from our, our parents, that are our, our people that are involved in foster parenting, you know, there's a good, strong tradition there of Christians making a decision for life, going against the grain of their culture and their society to make sure that those who are unwanted can live, to make sure that those who are abandoned can live. There is in the Christian tradition, in the tradition of God's people, the idea that that nobody is an outcast in the kingdom. That those who have failed, those who are broken, that there is grace in the kingdom. There's the idea and there's the notion that the weakest and the humblest are the greatest in the kingdom. So, Listen, the more time you and I spend in the world, sometimes we have to come together like this to get our thinking right about how we're supposed to live in the kingdom. Which then has something to do with this idea of the worst year ever. 2016 did not do anything to us this year. It did not do anything to anyone. 2016 is just four numbers on a calendar which are relative to other things in the world. 2014, 15, 2017, 1992, 1980, whatever. It did not do anything to you. Things happened. Not everything happened exactly because it's God's will. Some things happen that are not God's will. And God is looking for people who will walk in step with his will to see that those things happen. But the the rule of Christ happened because the zeal of God accomplished this. Isn't that an interesting statement? The zeal of God. Zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is excitement. It's passion. It's enthusiasm. That means that God is working to provide us with peace, justice, and righteousness. God is working to provide us with a king who will defend us. Now, the world is still in a state of rebellion, and that's why some bad things happen. 
But we need to look back at every year and ask, what has the Lord done for us? And even if we find that we're angry with God, saying, God, where were you when? Then turn to our Psalms and find language there that goes to God and asks God, God, I need you to be that king of peace, justice, and righteousness. Think of what might happen if we either saw that about God and encouraged one another, or called upon God to be that kind of God and challenged one another, wouldn't that be much better than hashtag worst year ever? You and I can do this because along with those four numbers, we've got two letters. A-D. Christ was born. That puts us into a new era. God became flesh. That is so significant. It's changed all of history and eternity. So when you read a passage like Romans, and keep this in mind as those calendars flip over and we go from A.D. 16 to A.D. 17 to A.D. 2018 and whatever time God allows. Paul writes to the Roman church and he says, Wake up! And I'm calling you to wake up. Not from sleep, but from just the, the, the awful folk ways of our culture. Wake up from those worst ever memes. Wake up. Why? Because salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night's almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Did you know that today on Christmas Day 2016, we are a day closer to the return of Christ? That day is coming and every year we're a year closer god's going to take care of that he's going to take care of that time you and i are moving towards that the fulfillment of that just righteous and peaceful kingdom where it's fully realized i wonder what could this group of people what could we do if we could proclaim how good god is We say it in here, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. God is good. But someone out there is going to ask us, why? But I think you have answers. Tell your stories. You've encountered the risen King. Tell those stories. Let's do away with the awful folk ways of culture and let's pick up the folk ways of the kingdom of heaven. We, uh, we're going to sing this song to close out our worship. But as we're singing this song, maybe you need some encouragement today. Maybe uh, you want to confess that the Lord is Lord of your life and want to be baptized into Christ. There will be shepherds down here who will meet with you, who will pray with you. If you go out these doors, there's a room back there that has pews in it. There will be shepherds there willing to pray for you, maybe a little more of a private prayer. But that private prayer can be done right down here with some of these shepherds. And if we need more shepherds, we'll get them out here. Let's stand, let's sing, let us know how we can encourage you today.